Bell the Dragon and Digital Design. I bet you guys are thinking, what is all of this about? All these dragons, what are these guys doing? Well, this was an actual exercise that we decided to take seriously. So when we were decided to, when we were asked to do these presentations, we were asked to give innovative, creative titles that were going to captivate people and want them to come to our seminars. Well, it's pretty full, so it kind of worked. But we decided to use this theme of, you know, the dragon. That was our, our theme that we were going on throughout and how sometimes we are dragons in a sense where what Dean said before, you know, we don't take design as seriously as we should and we need to train or shackle or rein in this dragon to make it something beautiful. So, Bell the Dragon and Digital Design. Like Dean said before, there is a, a almost made-up, I would say, story. If you look on the internet, type in Daniel 14. There's a whole two chapters, 13 and 14. And this is almost like a, you know, it's probably not true, but we decided to use this story as an illustration because it really fitted in with exactly what we do in terms of digital design. So I'm going to read through um, some of Daniel 14 to kind of give you some context. Like I said, I'm not saying that this is true. I'm not saying that this is something that's in the Bibles because I believe if God wanted it to be in the Bible, it would be there. Amen? He's in charge of the word. It's just a story we're using for illustration purposes. Okay. So, let's go through the first few verses. Daniel 14, chapter 1, verse 1. After King Astadagus was, ga was gathered to his ancestors, Cyrus the Persian succeeded to his kingdom. Daniel was a companion of the king and was held in higher honor than any of his friends of the king. The Babylonians had an idol called Bel, and every day they provided for it six bushels of fine flour, 40 sheep, and six measures of wine. That is a lot of resources they were providing for this idol. The king revered it and went every day to worship it, but Daniel worshipped only his God. When the king asked him, why do you not worship Bel? Daniel replied, because I do not revere idols made with hands but only the living God who made heaven and earth and has dominion over all flesh. Amen. Then the king continued, you do not think Bel is a living God? Do you not see how much he eats and he drinks every single day? Daniel began to laugh. Do not be deceived, O king, he said. It is only clay inside and bronze on the outside. It has never eaten or drunken anything. So here we have Daniel, who's basically saying to the king, this thing is not real. It doesn't eat or it doesn't drink anything. He's basically telling the king that what you're believing in is nonsense. Enraged, the king called his priests and said to them, unless you tell me who it is that consumes these provisions, you shall die. But if you can show that Bel consumes them, Daniel shall die for blaspheming Bel. Daniel said to the king, let it be as you say. There were 70 priests of Bel besides their wives and children. When the king went with Daniel into the temple of Bel, the priests of Bel said, See, we are going to leave. You, O king, set out the food and prepare the wine, then shut the door and seal it with your ring. If you do not find that Bel has eaten all when you return in the morning, we are to die. Otherwise, Daniel shall die for his lies against us. They were not perturbed. Sorry? They were not perturbed because under the table they had made a secret entrance through which they always came in to consume the food. 
After they departed, the king set out the food before Bel. When Daniel ordered his servants to bring some ashes, which they scattered through the, the whole temple, the king alone was present. Then they went outside, sealed the door with the king's ring, and departed. The priests entered that night as usual with their wives and children, and they ate and drank everything. Early the next morning, the king came with Daniel. Are the seals unbroken, Daniel? He asked. And Daniel answered, They are unbroken, O king. As soon as he had opened the door, the king looked at the table and cried aloud, You are great, O Bel. There is no deceit in you. But Daniel laughed and kept the king from entering. He said, Look at the floor. Consider whose footprints these are. I see the footprints of men, women, and children, said the king. In his wrath, the king arrested the priests, their wives, and the children. They showed him the secret door by which they used to enter to consume what was on the table. The king put them to death and handed the belt over to Daniel, who destroyed it and its temple. And its temple, There was a great dragon which the Babylonians revered. So that is basically the story in a nutshell. So here you have this statue where um, the king thinks it's living and it's real. It's consuming all these products that have been left out for him. And um, Daniel is telling him, well, this, is, this is rubbish. This is nonsense. This, this is not consuming stuff. And then they set up this almost trap in order to see what was actually taking place. And then they've discovered that the people were only feeding themselves they weren't feeding the dragon. They were only fe- the, the dragon wasn't consuming it. Sorry, sorry. The, the statue was not consuming it. They were only they were sealing it up, going in at a trap door, taking it and only consuming it themselves. The interesting thing here is when we put our faith in things that do not work and are not God inspired, we are only destined to be mock, mocked and to fail. These these priests ended up losing their lives, and they must have looked like really silly people. Right? Because they were trying to deceive themselves. Now, I want to argue that sometimes that we, that's what we do to, as, as uh, Christian um, creative missionaries, or that's what we do as churches, should I say. We slop up this design of a health program that we're doing, and we expect people to come when really we're only feeding ourselves. The only people that are going to come are, people, are, are the people who know about the program because you know, the health team advertise it to maybe close friends and family. But like Dean said before, if we try and distribute those things out to people in the community, we're not going to get people interested because it's not displaying our full message. We're only feeding ourselves. We are called as Christians to have an order, to have a standard. But so often the world looks at us and can't see the beauty of our message because we display it in such a bad way. We throw our message into people's faces in a rushed and not thought out, even designed properly way. Therefore, trying to deceive people around us and only deceiving ourselves. I've seen this so many times when I've seen posters online or flyers or videos. We were watching a video last night of someone that was advertising a health program. And it was, unfortunately, it was laughable because it it wasn't displaying the package that we have. It was showing someone who was, it was showing a ministry that was just really trying to get something out there for the sake of getting something out there, for proving to everyone that they were doing it, but it really wasn't being effective at all. And this is the problem that we have. Now it's time to break forth from all of this and 
basically destroy it and rebuild and show that we're able to create something that the world out there is going to be able to see and be like, wow, I'm intrigued. What is all this about? Now, that leads me to my, this text here that says, let all things be done decently and in order. Let all things. It doesn't say just when the preacher gets up here, let the sermon be good. It doesn't say that um, the, the food needs to be good. But it says, let all things be decently and in order. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 40. Now, I want you to look at this next poster without reading the words and tell me if you think you know what this project or this program is about. Now, does this look like it's decently in order to you? Now, I'm sure I'm not going to criticize the people who made this. I'm sure they had good intentions. But what is displayed there does not match up with the words. Exactly. It looks scary, someone just said. It looks scary. Like you look at that and, that, and if I was to give that to people on the streets, I don't think they'd want to come. They would, I would look at that and think, oh, this must be some kind of rave or something. Or maybe this is somewhere I could buy drugs. Or, you know, you know maybe this is something that's going to help me get rich quickly. I don't know. Right? But then you actually read the words and you're like, wow, this is something Christian. Now, for me, this doesn't say let all things be decently and in order. It just looks like a little bit of confusion. For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all churches of the saints. You know where the clicker is? Okay. Next slide. Whatever the line of work in which we engage, the word of God teaches us to not be slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Whatever thy hand findeth to do, findeth to do, do it with thy might, knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for ye serve the Lord Christ. Everything that we should do should be done with purpose, with initiative. It should be thought out. It should not be slothful. It should not be lazy. It shouldn't be done because it just needs to be done. It needs to be thought out and there needs to be a process behind everything. And guess what? If you can't do it yourself, maybe you need to hire. Maybe you need to get someone else to help you. Maybe you need to incorporate other people to be able to get it done rather than being almost, oh, let me just do it because it needs to get out there. That's where we fail because we do it just because. But then what happens is you get a subpar product. You don't put someone on the pulpit to preach just because you need somebody. Well, maybe some churches do. But, you know, you wouldn't get someone come and be the main speaker at GYC just because you need someone to speak. You need to find someone that's going to fit in with your theme, that's going to have, who's got a history of a good subject and, or, or good preaching. They've got some background behind it because you want something that's going to be quality. You're going to be, you want someone that's not only going to be quality, but that's, able, that's going to be able to reach people's hearts and their minds and impact them to be able to do service, encourage them to want to get out in the field and preach the word and teach and baptize and so forth. You're not going to get any ordinary person to do that. It has to be thought out. There has to be a process behind everything. Now, I want to share a little bit about, because this may seem very daunting to some people. It may be like, well, how do I start? Where do I begin? 
What's the process behind all of that? I can't do it. I just, uh, 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 uh. That's, that's typically what happens when we're trying to start something. I wanted to share a little bit about the history behind the first ministry that myself and Dean were a part of and that we co-founded together called The Preaching Place. Now, I am somebody who has been in, interested in media for my entire life. I remember when we got our first computer in my home. It was a Windows 98 PC machine. Many of you probably don't even know what that is. I've never even heard of that. But it was in the early, or I say the mid-90s, and I was so excited. You know, my dad had no idea about computers. Zero. I remember when we got the computer and he said, be careful, don't sleep too near it because it might crash in the night. I'm like, what's this guy talking about? <laughs> but anyway... I remember getting this first machine, and from that point onwards, I was just hooked. And I started getting into video work. My dad was very much into video work, and I was like, this is what I want to do. At that stage, I grew up, I grew up as an Adventist, and in my mind, I thought, I want to do stuff, stuff that is Christian-orientated. I want to spread the gospel. But as what happens in your teenage years sometimes, or even later than that, sometimes the church just becomes a building, and it doesn't become somewhere that you're able to impact other people or your life has been impacted. And that's what happened to me in my early teens. I lost sight of God and I walked away into the world. And I remember I said to my, my parents when I was starting university that I was going to start a film and video degree and I wanted to make movies for Hollywood. That was my direction. That's exactly where I wanted to go, make movies for Hollywood. And I, I was actually speaking to my dad about this two or three day, days ago, and he told me that when, we, when I said that to him, it broke their heart. You know, they spent all their time and effort putting me through good education to try and get to a point where I was going to, you know, either make something of myself or be able to spread the gospel. And I told my parents that I'm going to be doing this, and my career trajectory was going to be Hollywood. My dad said to me um, a couple of days ago that um, they were so broken but all they could do was pray. That's all they could do. And at, one po at some point in my life, probably in the next couple of years, a conversion experience began happening in my heart. And I was almost like felt the burden to spread the gospel. And I remember my friend inviting me to church one day, and he said to me, well, he was preaching, and he said, in the sermon, he said, um, if you're struggling to read the Bible, I want you to um, just read for five minutes in the morning and five minutes in the evening. That's it. Well, I took him up on the challenge and my life got changed and here I am today. But after that point, as I began to read the word, I decided in my final year of university that this career trajectory was not for me. But here I am about to graduate with the film and video degree, and I'm thinking to myself, what on earth am I going to do in the Adventist church with this degree? Have I just wasted, you know, three and a half, four years of my life studying this topic or studying this, this, this course to be at this point where I'm like, what do I do now? And I remember going to church on one Sabbath day, and I cannot remember what the sermon was about. But I came home with a deep conviction that I, wanted, that I needed to serve God on a full-time basis. 
And as I sat down in my room by my window, I said a prayer. I said, Lord, I want to, I want to be used by you. I want to serve you, but I don't know how. The, one of the first times in my life, I felt a very distinct calling. I heard an audible voice that said, I want you to start a media ministry. This is, ten, this is what happened next. I was like, okay, but this, but that, but this. Does anyone relate? You get, you get, you get called to do something and your first, your first response is, but this. My response was, but Lord, I have no equipment. I have no money. I have, what am I supposed to do? Like, I have no idea. I have no goal. I have nothing. All I kept saying was, but, 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 but. Or I said, as I said before, uh, 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 uh. Right, stuttering, not sure what to say. All I would hear back was, I want you to start a media ministry. That was it. I want you to start a media ministry. At the end of that conversation, I got up from my hands and knees and I was just like, Okay, Lord, that's what I'm going to have to do. And then, as I accepted that call, my um, other good friend, who was in the first picture that you guys saw, his name is Leith. Um, I hadn't had this conversation with him, but his mother had just notified us, or notified him, two days before, uh, sorry, this happened on Sabbath, notified him on Sunday that she just received this huge tax rebate. Now, you don't get that in England. Now, since living in America, I've realized that when you do your taxes, um, well, working for Weimar anyway, I get a good tax rebate back every single year. Praise the Lord, right? But in England, that's not common, right? Anyway, she received this tax rebate, and she said, I've got nothing to do with this money, but I want to give it to you guys to buy a camera. I had never spoken to him about needing a camera. This wasn't a conversation that I'd had with him about the call that I just had to start a media ministry. This happened on, I prayed on, on Sabbath, on Sunday. Um, she notified him of that and, and told me. On Monday, we went to the store and bought that camera. So a day and a half, two days after I'd answered the call, God provided and answered my butts. He answered my butts and said, listen, if I call you to do something, I've got this. God's will, God's bill, right? If he wants you to do something, he's going to provide it for you. So then that's when this ministry was born. Now, now I had this camera. I'm like, what do I do with it? Right? I had no, I had no plan in place. This ministry started very organically. Now, my lovely assistant here, Dean, he, he threw a, book at, a Bible at me, so I've got to get him back now. <laughs> but anyway, he had just become an Adventist as well, and you know, we were very close, and our relationship had grown, and he was living with me at the time. And because he became an Adventist, his wife's, who's now his wife, at his time, his girlfriend's parents thought that he had become an Adventist just to, you know, win their daughter, right? And I don't know how true that is. You can ask him that privately after. But he's here right now, and he's, he's, he's up here with me, so maybe it was true. Maybe. <clears throat> but anyway, his parents reacted because they were scared of Dean. And they sent um, Dorling, 
which is his wife now, to Brazil, as far away as possible, and put her in university. And they didn't see each other for a year. And Dean was living with me at the time, and I can't tell you how many conversations I heard of. Back then it was Skype, right? I can't tell you how many conversations I heard of. Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? That's literally their relationship for an entire year. Can you hear me now? But anyway, back to the story. Year and a half, yeah. Year and a half, sorry. Back to the story. Um, Dean, as a new baptized Adventist member, um, was in the church, was um, regularly attending the church, and he got called, or he got asked to preach his first sermon at his local church. And he was like, Dean, he was like, Clive, Dorling is in Brazil, and I want a way to show her this sermon. Can you record it with me, for me with this new camera? And we'll put it on YouTube, and then we can send it to her so that she can see. So that's what we did. I went to him with church, and I, I went to him to the church. I put the camera up, and I recorded. Now, I have a film and video degree, all right? I could have said, what a waste. I've studied for three and a half years to film your sermon. <laughs> I spent how much money to film a sermon? No, that, was, that wasn't the reaction. The reaction was, finally, I've got something to do. You know, God was speaking to my heart. He wanted me to use my gift and my talent. This is where I had to start, you know? There's nothing wrong with humbling ourselves sometimes. Sometimes you have to start right from the bottom. Maybe you already know how to do things. Maybe you need to just start from the basics again in order to build your ministry up. Now, our goal, now think about what I just said, right? All I was doing was filming the sermon so he could show his girlfriend at the time. We never had any aspirations to reach millions and billions of people. It was simply to start on the local level, right? Simply start where you're at. Sometimes we really struggle with, um, should I start now? Or, or where am I going to begin? Just start where you are. Start with what you have. You don't need to have the most amazing camera. You don't have, need to have the most amazing idea. Use what you have and use it well. The Bible says that those who are faithful with little are faithful with what? Much. Luke 16, 10. Use what you have available to you and watch God work. Because after we put that sermon on YouTube, we got 250 views. See, there's not that many amens because that's nothing, right? But for us, we were like, wow, 250 people more. Well, sorry, 249 more people saw this sermon than the one person we were intended to. So we were like, why don't we do this all the time, right? Now, before we put the sermon online, we were, sat, we were literally sat, I remember, on my bed. And we were like, what are we going to call the YouTube channel? And then we were sat there, and then our friend Leif said, well, Audioverse is there. And, you know, they're getting sermons online, but we're doing, we're doing videos, and it's preaching. So, so why don't we just call it Preaching Place? That's literally how it started. So anyway, from that point forward, we started filming sermons every single week. And we were like, well, we should just do this all the time. Let's just grow this online ministry. And then we were like, well, let's not, start, let's not stop at um, sermons. Let's film testimonies. Let's film music videos. Let's film poetry. And then before you knew it, this thing just grew. And then we were like, well, let's use this platform to encourage people in, our, in London to come to outreach events. So we, we created this program called I Will Preach for Jesus, 
where we would create promo videos, put them on our YouTube channel, because now we're getting this huge following from people within London and, and, and the UK. And we would create these little videos, promo videos, we'd put them online. And before you knew it, I remember at one time, we had 60 to 100 people in the city of London handing out tracks, praying with people, and, and so forth, and singing, and so forth. The ministry just grew organically. We didn't have an amazing idea. We were just using what we had available to us. And then the ministry, all of a sudden, just boomed. And I think we started the ministry in, I think, I remember the date was some, somewhere like February something of 2011. And by the end of the year, we'd managed to get, I think, close to 500, if not more, 500,000 views. <clears throat> and back then, there was no, no ministries were doing stuff online. We were one of the first. So it was, it was spreading everywhere. And before you knew it, we were being invited to this country and that country. I think we both went to Kenya. You know, we had other organizations who were starting off that in, um, in Australia and the Netherlands. And before you knew it, this thing just grew. And it grew so organically. It wasn't like we were trying to just serve ourselves like that story at the beginning. We were trying to reach people around us. We were trying to reach our closest friends. Quite honestly, we were trying to reach his wife-to-be. That's how it started. But then, you know, as things happen as young people, things become social. And they start sh- um, spreading. So we'd share it and other people would share it. And then this thing just mushroomed and grew. So I want to go back to that point where I said, but Lord. If I had continued saying that, but Lord, what would have happened? If I just hadn't begun, what would have happened? This is the same thing that happened with lineage. It's the same thing that happened with Luminate that I mentioned at the beginning as well. There was periods where I was thinking this through from my mind where the Spirit was talking to me and saying, we need to, you need to start this up. And in my mind, all I could think of was, but Lord, that's it. But if you continue dwelling on that but, Lord, and you don't actually step out in faith, part of our Christian experience is stepping out in faith. If you're not going to be able to step out in faith, you're going to continue thinking, what if? And if you look back in history, there was a guy called Hazen Foss. And he was given visions, just like Ellen White was given visions. And he neglected the spirit. He did not push through with spreading those words that were given to him. And eventually... The spirit was withdrawn from him and he actually did not even become a Christian, did not stay as a Christian. He left and went in the world. And one day he met Ellen White and he said to her, do not hasten, do not um, silence the voice of the Lord. Get your visions down, spread them, write them, etc. And I'm paraphrasing, that's not an exact quote. I'm paraphrasing. But eventually the spirit will be withdrawn and God will use other people. The reality is, God doesn't need us. He wants to use us. If you think back in the Bible, right, God used fish to swallow up Jonah, a fish. He, swallowed, he, 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 he enabled donkeys to talk, right? He has the ability to use anything or anyone he wants. But when, he, when that voice is speaking to you to start something up, he wants to use you. As we move on, the question is, is there a grand designer, right? We've spoken about um, our ministry experience. We've spoken about the story at the beginning. But who is the orchestrator of all this design? 
Genesis 1, chapter 1. Almost the first words of the Bible. What do they say? Say a bit louder. In, begin, in the beginning, God created. What does that tell you about God? He's a creator, right? He created this, right? So therefore, if God created, what does that make him? The creator, right? If he's a creator, what does that make him? Creative, right? God is a creative God. This is why we need to use creativity in our evangelism, right? God is a creator. He is creative. He created us. Now, I don't know about you, but I feel like the human body is a magnificent design, right? Every single function in our body has a specific purpose and a specific goal. Even if you look at, even if you look at um, the globe, for example, right, or the earth in the creation story, what would have happened if God created people before he created the earth? Sorry? There wouldn't be a place to put them, right? Everything had order and structure, right? If you start from the beginning of Genesis, God created the heavens and the earth, you know, and then he went into all the infrastructure, all the basis of the globe, the infrastructure. Maybe when you're starting your media ministry, you need to start on planning the infrastructure. What is this going to look like, right? What's my outlets going to be? And as you move forward from there, then God started doing what? He created the plants. He created um, people. He created animals. Obviously not in that order. He did the animals first before the people. People was last. But there was almost things that he, he put in place. So I would argue that then God created the content for the earth. So he created the infrastructure. He created the content. And then he said, be fruitful and multiply. Then the people were able to grow and utilize this planet. So there was an order and there was a process. Did I miss a slide? No, okay. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. When we look at this beautiful picture here of, um, of Eden, right? God created Adam and Eve to live in that place. But Sister White goes on to say this about, um, about the creation story. It says, when Adam came from the creator's hand, he bore in physical, mental, and spiritual nature a likeness to his maker. So not just physical, but also mental. So if God is creative, what does that make us? Creative, right? He's put that in us to be creative. Now, everyone may not be creative in design. They may be creative in maybe video. They may be creative writers. Everyone has some kind of creative element within them. It's up to us to find out what that is and to exercise that. But, God, but Sister White is saying here that we were created in his physical, mental, and spiritual nature, a likeness to his maker. So we have that element within us. And as we go on, she says in Third Selective Messages, a human artist receives his intelligence from God. He can only fashion his work in any line to perfection from materials already prepared for his work. In his finite power, he could not create and make his materials to serve his purpose if the great designer had not been before him, giving him the very improvements first 
in his imagination. This is literally God who's giving us this information, who's giving us the direction to work on all the intelligence that he's given us. It comes from him in the very first place. This is what goes back to my story about preaching place and the origin of that ministry was that all I was doing was willing. All we were doing, sorry, was just being willing. All right. Then it says God, a human artist receives intelligence from God. God gave us the intelligence. And then it says giving him the very improvements first in his imagination. God took us forward and he improved on everything that we were doing. Now, if I look back at some of my videos, even if I look back at some of my lineage videos, which were like five years ago, I'm, I cringe. I'm like, how did we come up with that? Right? I see Adam's face all crooked. I see some of the stuff. Adam's at the back there, so you can give him a wave. <laughs> I, see, I see different um, editing principles that I'm like, how did we come out with that? The point is, you're going to continue to grow, right? You're not going to have a Van Gogh masterpiece at your first attempt, you're going to have to continue to grow and you're going to have to let God use your ministry and you're going to have to grow. You're going to have to study. You're going to have to look at the best university possible, YouTube Academy. You're going to have to go on YouTube Academy. You're going to have to find the principles and graphic design elements. You're going to have to put some work in, but God is going to give you some more of that as well. It's going to be hand in hand that you're going to work together. And what continues to say, <clears throat> skill in the commons arts is a gift from God. He provides both the gift and the wisdom to use the gift aright. So it's the gift and the wisdom. So first of all, he's going to give you the gift, right? It's up to us to train that gift. You can't expect a child to sit at the piano for the very first time and play an amazing masterpiece, the most amazing thing that you've ever heard. You can't expect that. What does it take? Time. My son is a piano player. He loves to play the piano, right? He wakes up every single morning, and one of the first things he does is practice the piano. And all I've seen is improvement upon improvement upon improvement. You take my daughter, Anaya, for example. She's the creative one. She gets up, and she wants to write, and she wants to draw. Is her drawing the same as a three-year-old going to be the same as a nine-year-old? No. She's taken time to enhance her gift. Now, my prayer is that one day God will give them both the wisdom to be able to use that gift for him. But it took training on their part first, if that makes sense. Now, we're going to turn to our Bibles. Who's got their Bibles? We're going to go to Exodus 35. We cannot do a media seminar without speaking about this topic. And we're going to go from verse 30. Give me an amen when you're there. Okay. And it says this, so 35 verse 30. And Moses said to the children of Israel, See the Lord has called by name. Bezalel, I always struggle with that word, Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. And he has filled him with the spirit of God in wisdom and in understanding, 
in knowledge and all manner of workmanship, to design artistic works, to work in gold and silver and bronze, in cutting jewels for setting and carving wood, and to work in all manner of artistic workmanship. And he has put in his heart the ability to teach Inhib and Ahiliab, the son of Ahishamach of the tribe of Dan. And he has filled them with skill to do all manner of work of the engraver, the designer and the tapestry maker in blue, purple and scarlet thread and fine linen and the weaver, those who do every work and those who design artistic work. We like to call these people the artisans in the Bible, the artisans. Now, the story of these guys, I relate to very well. Because here I am, as someone who does not know what to do, and has just given my gift and my talent over to God, and I'm praying, Lord, use me, how can I be used? And I, I, I say that God filled me with wisdom, he gave me wisdom, because I know that the ministries that I've been a part of, I could not have done those in my own strength. They would not exist today if that was my own strength. So I know God had to use me and he had to fill me with wisdom so that we knew how to grow these ministries and actually start in the first place, right? But backstep a little bit. If you think about where the children of Israel are at this time, where are they? They're where, sorry? They're in the wilderness, right? These artisans, I, I can't see. We read the quote before that God gives you the gift and then he fills you with wisdom. So they would have had this gift already, Right? They probably would have been working in Egypt, help building the pyramids and the statues and all the kind of manner of things that were in Egypt. All of a sudden, they fled Egypt now. They're free. They must be sitting in the desert. Now, anyone who's done some of these tours and gone into the desert where, where the children of Israel would have been camped, there is literally nothing there. Literally nothing there. Now, we're in Arizona, so I had to drive through many deserts to get here from California, right? There's literally nothing there. Can you imagine a million or more people camped in these areas, all got, kind, all got different kinds of skills and trades and different kinds of things that, they've been, that they have done and they don't know what to do with them. But here we have the artisans. I relate to these people because I am one of them and you are maybe one of them in this, in this group. And you're thinking to yourself, what on earth can I do in media in our Adventist church? Well, these guys here would have been thinking the same thing. What am I going to do with my gift and my talent in the, in, the, in the desert where there's nothing to do, where we're just camping? But God said, no, 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 no. I have a plan for you. I'm going to fill you with wisdom and you're going to create something magnificent. Imagine God gave the creatives, the artisans, the ability to create a sanctuary in the middle of the desert that would host God himself. What a calling, right? What a calling. Now think about this for each and every one of you here. God may have a grand plan, maybe not to host him, but to, but to share his message, to get as many people as you can possible into the kingdom through media. He may have that for you guys. It's up to us to answer. Now, when we take a look at the sanctuary itself and how detailed it is and how everything that was created had a purpose, right? 
all the different engravings that needed doing, even the tapestries that needed weaving, the layers and how everything was put together perfectly and in order. When you break everything down and you think that these people did this in the desert, that goes to show me that you don't need the most amazing things to make something happen. You need the wisdom of God and you need to train your gift and exercise your gift. As we go deeper in and we look at how everything is situated. I had the privilege at the beginning of the year to actually go to the Messiah Mansion. They were out in, in Texas and I flew out there and I walked around. I was doing some filming with there, um, some lineage episodes that are coming out on the sanctuary. And we were walking through this and I'm looking at all the details of everything in that room. And I'm like, these guys had to carve and mold and shape all of these different elements with limited resources that they had. That could have only been the wisdom of God. That couldn't have been anything in their own power. And as we continue diving in and we see the most holy place and we see the Ark of the Covenant and we see all of these different elements and how they molded and shaped, it just blows me away. But what this story showed me is that God has a pivotal place for every single creative. He has something somewhere for each and every one of you to do. See, what the devil goes and does and says, the church doesn't need us. They can make these posters and flyers that are serving itself, like the story from the beginning. Somebody in the health ministries team or the evangelism team, they can just do it themselves. That's what we're being told, that we're not needed. But guys, I'm telling you, we are needed. I have countless stories of people who have contacted us, whether that's been from lineage Illuminate or Dean's why they, did why they did that podcast, who have said, this is exactly what I needed to hear. Actually, very recently, um, actually, let me just finish this slide. Very recently, I was, um, I received a phone call and it was a phone call from uh, Automated Message. And as I picked it up, when I get those automated messages, I almost immediately hang up. Anyone been through that situation? You get a phone call and it says, welcome to the Marriott Hotel. You have one, uh, stay here, right? I get those all the time. And immediately I hang up. And the voice sounded very, very similar to that. But as I listened to the message, something was impressing me to stay on the phone. I listened to the message and the message was, um, an automated message that said, you're receiving a collect call from so-and-so prison. Do you accept and I was like, I actually stared at the phone for about a minute, listening to this message, repeating. I'm like, I don't know anyone in prison, in the US anyway. Um, is, I don't know what this is. But anyway, I got impressed to answer the call. And as I answered the call, um, a guy, actually another automated message came up saying, this is being recorded, anything that you say, da da da, -da can be used um, and listened to. And then someone picked up the phone. And it was an inmate from this prison in California. And he said, somehow I stumbled on one of your episodes of lineage. Now, I don't know how that got into a prison. But somehow I stumbled across that. And I spoke to the local chaplain who is um, at the prison. And they suggested that I contact you. I don't even know how we got my number as well. Um, but they suggested that I somehow contact you and see if you can donate all your episodes to the prison because we have um, about 4,000 people 
in this prison who have nothing to do. And when some of them watched their first, the first episode, they wanted to watch more. And then he went on to say to me that um, I only have three 15-minute calls every two weeks. And I've been saving my call so that I can call you. And so I said to him, of course we can donate these videos. Um, and, you know, we began talking and, you know, he seemed really encouraged and excited. And at the end of the 15 minutes, the call just cut. All right. That's just what happens. Um, no warning. Actually, we had a one minute warning and then, and, then, and then it cut. The very next day, I had the same call again. And he said, um, I had about two or three minutes left on one of my other calls and I used it to call you again. I just wanted to check. Are you going to send the videos? And I was like, yes, yes, yes. I'm filling out all the paperwork. I'm going to send the videos. Hung up. A week later, same thing again. He called me. He was like, have you sent the videos yet? And I was like, uh, yeah, I sent them yesterday. They should be with you soon. He was like, okay. Well, now I know that you sent them. Normally they get to us between like two or three days, but they take about three months to clear um, security because they have to watch through everything. And we ended up sending him books and resources. And we basically sent him everything that we had, right? Anyway, the point of this story is this ministry has the ability to reach 4,000 inmates. Now, I'm not saying we're going to reach every single one of them. That's not what I'm saying here. But we have the ability to possibly reach that amount of people. Now, if I go all the way back and I think to myself, what if I didn't answer the call? What if I just kept on saying, but Lord, what if it was just this idea that was just kept going in my head? Yes, God could have used other people. But yes, we also couldn't have this exact product that could have got in that prison at the exact time. God wants to use us. He, you have no idea where your media ministries can get to. You have no idea how many people they will impact. And here's the reality. It's a very selfless task because you're not going to know. It's very different with a, with a Bible study contact. You go through the process with them. You watch them back, get baptized, and then they're almost this contact that you're able to stay in touch with for the rest of your life, right? That's what tends to happen. Or, you know, you at least have some form of communication, um, and, you know, you see them at GYC, you see them at an event, and it's like, oh, hi, you know. With media, you don't get that reward. But I tell you something. In heaven... In heaven, when you hear the stories of how many people who came to your ministry because you just let it out there and it was quality, right? But I also want to emphasize the fact, when we started Lineage, our goal wasn't to reach millions of people, just like Preaching Place. That wasn't the goal. Actually, myself and Adam came together and the goal was to reach our young people in our conference, right? He was the youth director of the North England Conference at the time. We were trying to reach the local people around us. Now, God took that, and here we are in, California, in, uh, in Arizona, and many of you have heard of GYC, and that still blows my mind, you know? It still blows my mind that more than what I intended it to go to knows about the ministry, but I was just trying to reach those closest to me, my friends who had left the church, or even some of the young people in my church who are struggling to understand books like The Great Controversy. And they needed bite-sized information. And they needed to know how relevant it was for them in today's day. 
As I continue, the Lord commands things into being. He was the what designer? The very first designer. He is not dependent on man, but graciously invites man's attention and cooperates with him in progressive and higher designs. Progressive. What does the word progressive mean? Progress. It keeps going. It keeps moving forwards. That's why when you look at your stuff from years back, you cringe because you're like, how did I get that out? But God doesn't need you to have the most amazing designs. Like I said, progressive. As I close, I want you to be reminded of this quote. I want you to just start. And if you're struggling with how to start or what to start or what to do, or um, if it's a good idea, that's the whole purpose of these sign-up sheets at the front. We're going to have a panel of people, of good people who are doing good things in Adventism, who are going to be sitting here. We're going to help you. We're going to ask you questions about your product. We're going to give you advice. And we're going to encourage you to be able to build something that's going to reach first people closest to you, but have the potential to grow so big that you're not going to hear the stories and you're not going to want to hear the stories because you're going to leave that in God's hands. So, unless there's any questions, that would be the end of this session. I thank you all for listening. We do have five minutes remaining, so if anyone does have any questions, to even myself or Dean on some of the things we've spoken about in this session and the session before, then now would be your time to ask those questions. <laughs> How do we find Luminate? Okay, that's a good question. So I've had a number of people who have asked me that today. So we got the approval for Luminate today. So it's going to take a, a while to filter into the App Store. I do have a direct link. Okay, we have someone that found it. Okay, so someone said they found it. They typed in Luminate and Ellen White and it came up. So you can try that. But in order for it to be the first thing that pops up, we're going to need more and more people to download it as it grows in popularity so it gets to the, to the top. Um, that's a good question. Any other questions? Okay, I'm going to ask Dean to pray to close. And just a reminder, um, the third and fourth seminar starts at 2.30. I hope, have any of, you, any of you feeling inspired? I hope so. Um, we've, we've shown you now from the, from the scripture, from the spirit of prophecy, um, that God can use you. If you're coming back for the afternoon sessions, then we're going to show you just how. We're going to look at principles of design, be very practical, very hands-on, and um, leading up to that fifth seminar when we're hoping that a ministry, a brand new digital ministry will be started here at GYC. So let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, for the blessing of your presence, and we pray that um, your words, and we claim the promise of the prophet Isaiah when he said that your words would go forth and do that which you have sent them and that they will not return unto you void. Father, I pray that our hearts would be encouraged, that our ears would be tingling with what we've heard, and that our minds would be racing with ideas of how we can be used for your glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. This message was recorded in partnership with Audioverse at the GYC conference Break Forth in Phoenix, Arizona. GYC, a supporting ministry of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, seeks to challenge and inspire young people to take sacrificial initiative for Christ and to see Jesus finish the work in this generation. For other resources like this, 
visit us online at gycweb.org.